Hey there, welcome to Blockhead, the Peanuts tribute podcast from a cartoonist's point of view. My name is Jeff Grogan, and I will be your host for the next few minutes to talk about Peanuts, Charles Schultz, and all things Charlie Brown, Linus, Lucy, and Snoopy too. So sit back and enjoy. Welcome back to Blockhead. Today's episode, the second part of our two-part interview with Will Henry, the cartoonist of Wallace the Brave, that newly syndicated comic strip that should be gracing the pages of your local newspaper right now. If it's not, give him a call, write him a letter, let him know you'd like to see Wallace the Brave. It's sure to liven up your comics page. Will and I have a really interesting and fun discussion about Wallace and Charles Schultz, Peanuts, Woodstock, Snoopy, and the influence thereof on Will's work and his development and uh, his approach to cartooning and his thoughts about being a cartoonist. So let's just get right to it, okay? Uh, Without further ado, myself and Will Henry in discussion. It's, it's funny. I think trying to break in now has become so difficult that a lot of people look for outlets otherwise, you know, in other, way, other ways. And also the emphasis on humor. It just seems like it wasn't a career path that was clearly mapped out for you when we were kids. So it's, it's not like it was in the day when Schultz was, was uh, yeah so determined Um, and there was a big magazine market then too so if you didn't do the the comic strip world you could always go downtown in new york and and hang out at wherever it was they used to hang out to get assignments from the new yorker Uh, but uh, there was that world too which there isn't so much anymore no there isn't and it's kind of a shame and you know when you mention that it's funny how uh you know newspapers are kind of discounting the comics page when you know, I, I got to imagine some of the most popular stuff, comics and sports, right? I mean, yeah, I, I find it weird that they're not really giving it the attention that it deserves. Yeah, you know, uh, a lot of times newspapers just, well, the, the old trope is that newspaper editors hate the comics page. <laughs> <laughs> that, that even though, you know, sports and, and comics sell the newspaper, and if you try to take a comic out of the newspaper, you get thousands of letters. Newspaper editors have always had that, that thing against comics. Now I'm going to get a thousand complaints from newspaper <laughs> editors saying, hey, comics, but... Uh, well, those guys but, are stretched thin. I mean, they got a lot yeah, of plates these days. They, they do, and they and they don't want to give up space. And and I can completely yeah. understand why that is. But hey, you know, we you, cartoonists sell the newspapers, so so give us more space and make them bigger. But boy, once they got the opportunity to start shrinking them, they just went you know whole hog, right? They they, they uh, eliminated pages and made them squinchy and small. And ha- have you seen your stuff pulled and stretched yet? Because that's kind of scary. Oh yeah, it's, in it's the newspaper weird to see. It it is really it's just I would go I would freak out. I mean it's it, really weird. And, it, you know, it, it, I get it. You got to do it. Uh, I guess I don't know. It's just um. But it, you wake up on a Sunday and you pick up the newspaper and you look at your Sunday comic and it's been like squinched, you know, to fit in between you know <laughs> Garfield and something else. And and uh, sometimes I you know as artists I think we always know the general audience may not know, but that's something that we're 
we're sensitive to. So when I've seen your strip kind of mushed around a little bit, I know it, you know, because I know what your style looks like. And the same is true of peanuts or, or other yeah. things. You would think with, with, they would, but no. All right. Well, I'm, I'm giving them too much credit. So <laughs> when, when you think about character development and you think about how characters change and how peanuts characters have changed over, over the years, do you imagine, or maybe even now that you're working a little farther ahead, are you seeing those kinds of changes in your own characters? Are they, they growing and, and pushing themselves in different directions the way that Charlie Brown might've, or, or, uh, Lucy might've when Schultz was working with them? Sure. I mean, I, I see the development almost daily and, um, you know, especially following peanuts, it gets me excited because I, I think, hell, maybe some of my better ideas haven't even like popped out yet. You know, maybe in, in like five years, I'll come up with a, an aha moment, you know, the, oh, the yeah. way that Schultz did. Yeah. Um, not yeah. comparing myself to Schultz, just like having, uh, you know, sometimes new things are, are for the better, you know, and, and I don't even know what these they might be. It's wonderful to, to look at Schultz and see how he did change. And his audience seemed to grow and go along with him as he did change. They yeah. seemed to be very accepting of all of the new characters that were introduced over the years, all of the differences in the characters over the years. That was something that, like a Snoopy, morphed from a little puppy dog in those first strips to uh, sleeping a up Baron, you know? <laughs> and then a Red Baron and then beyond that. The audience just went with it and i hope your audience goes along with it with you too as things change you know i mean we look at this a lot of strips now garfield has been around since the 80s and garfield you could read garfield today well okay there's the question is there pressure on you from either the syndicate or the newspapers to to stay the same is that something that you hear because like i said garfield is still garfield and calvin and hobbs even over the course of 10 years was pretty much calvin and hobbs so is that something that you've encountered or or they seem pretty flexible? You know, I don't think it's made enough presence for them to to make those kind of comments or they haven't said anything like that. You know, they've been actually very, you know, liberal with what I do. You know, they, uh-huh. they've been, they haven't really said much. There's a couple things when we're getting ready for launch that that they mentioned that uh you know, we hashed out, but they weren't very big. They've been very uh they've given me a lot of freedom with the strip, which is That's... cool. Whether, you know, if it just by happenstance gets, you know, a, a huge following, then, you know, maybe they'll have something to say, but I haven't gotten there yet. It's good to not feel that kind of pressure and feel instead that you're working with a good partner. Do you see the day when uh, Wallace might be animated by Bill Melendez and his studio? Well, Bill Melendez has passed away, but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. You see yeah, Wallace yeah. Christmas special out there in the future? <laughs> People ask me that all the time, and it's funny. I haven't really given much thought to it. Between I could the... see it, man. I could see it. <laughs> I, I always said this, though. If if there was a Wallace the Brave Christmas special, it'd be nothing but, like, reggae Christmas songs. That's all I want, <laughs> you know? That's great. That would be true. <laughs> nice little Very change. mellow vibes. Yeah, I like that, though. Okay, now you're going to have to do it. Uh, and wait for the reggae Christmas tunes. The, the focus has been just just getting the, the strip out and, and trying to be a good dad. That's kind of like where I'm at right now. Um, so what kind of days do you have working on the strip? Schultz would go to the studio nine to four. And uh, is that what, what you're doing or is it getting up early with your, your son or how's uh, it? It's, Will Henry? it's a little sporadic now. So um, 
the normal is usually like uh, you know three days of inking, mm-hmm. maybe two days of coloring and and watching my uh, my son Will. Uh, <laughs> but this month has been really weird because you know my wife actually she's a baker and we just bought a bakery, so we're trying oh. to like rehab this bakery and move in. Oh man, uh, he's got a job. Yeah, dude. I, Are you, I, I hand, still... you a handyman? I'm pretty handy. I'm pretty handy. I can swing a hammer. You were a sculptor, so yeah. I know the tools. Right. I guess you do. Yeah. Well, I, I hope it works out. I know, I know it's gonna work out. She's uh, she's very driven and very talented. But it's been a lot of uh, me and Will during the day, mm-hmm. and then when she comes home from from uh, you know trying to get this bakery up and running, you know I'll do my comics at night, and it's not uh-huh. too bad. It's fun. You know, another thing that strikes me in Wallace the Brave is the the landscape and the world of Snug Harbor. The coloring of Wallace is very distinct. And is that something you're doing yourself or is that something they're doing for you? I mean, I get the feeling it's kind of personal. Oh, yeah. I, you know, it's funny. People, I've had other artists tell me that they hate coloring. I love coloring. It's like one uh-huh. of my favorite things to do. You know, I'll sit down. I'll put on Braveheart, I'll smoke a little J, and then just <laughs> jump into coloring, and I'll sit uh-huh. there for hours. And uh, you, you coloring know, Photoshop, or, or are you doing it hand? I do a Photoshop. I mean, I'll, I'll I do it in Photoshop for print, but you know, I probably color every other comic with watercolor just to keep sharp. Wow, that's maybe nice. every other three. Really? Wow. That's incredible. So are you, you coloring the originals themselves or are you laying like a, you know, a vellum sheet or something over or acetate or are you just coloring right into the original? Coloring right on it. Wow. Man, those are going to be worth some money. Man. I don't know, man. My little boy got into them yesterday and just threw them all over the house. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, 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 I no respect. Of... These kids, <laughs> no they got respect, no respect. Yeah. for the elders. Um, but I take pride in my, my coloring, uh, Anders McNeil gave me the option to, you know, have one of their staff members color it and not saying they, they wouldn't do a fantastic job. I just, mm-hmm. I, I don't think I would let anybody ever touch my comics. I don't know, you know, if my name's going to be on it, I'm not going to let somebody else color, you know, and if. Uh, and that's, that's distinct from, you know, again, from the era of Charles Schultz. And I think it's not only Schultz, but his contemporaries, while they might do a color guide for the printer for Sundays, yeah, you know, they weren't coloring the comics themselves because it wasn't part of the, it wasn't part of the job. It wasn't part of the gig. No. You know? I'm trying to walk this line. Cause you know, f- from what I heard about Schultz and I'm not an expert, uh, I can't keep up with Brad Perry. I'll tell you that, but <laughs> I've always understood that Charles Schultz kind of had this mentality of, you know, I'm supplying a product for your newspaper to sell newspapers, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and that's kind of, that's kind of my mentality. You know, I, I, I understand that it's a newspaper. I understand that I'm there to sell newspapers. Mm-hmm. And I understand that, um, you know, these are the sizes and colors and things I can work with. You know, I, I know a lot of uh, comic artists kind of complain about the size of the newspaper page. But, you know, it's you know what you're getting into. You know, I'm, I'm yeah. not saying I agree with it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, these are the parameters. And I think, you know, Charles Schultz kind of instilled that on me a little bit, how, you know, that's, that's the game, you know, we're creating Mm -hmm. content to sell newspapers. And, um, I don't know. I've always had it in the back of my mind. 
Yeah, and and I mean, and you know that kind of um, workman attitude. I think it was built in. And, and any good cartoonist who's going to be syndicated, who's going to be on that kind of strict schedule, has to have that kind of workmanlike attitude, but also that discipline that goes with it. Because hey, man, you're you're seven days a week. There's no breaks. And you know, Schultz was different than somebody like Gary Trudeau, who comes and goes, takes a break. He's you know, he, he takes six months off or a year or however long it was that. And now he's he's I don't know. He's only doing Sundays. But Schultz was very much. If you're a cartoonist, this is the job, and the 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 parameters of the job are like this. You work for the newspapers and you produce product seven days a week and and you get it done very you know my dad had that same attitude about going to work you know it was like he felt lucky to have the job he had and you know he went every day nine to five no bones about it did whatever they asked him to do that was you know it's it's that kind of yeah it's an attitude i understand and you don't want to let them down you know because you feel like they're your audience and they're supporting you they believe in you they've given you space uh, I think Charles Schultz held on to that very much so, and it was a big part of his work ethic. At the same time, like you, he, he also didn't want to let anybody near his stuff. You know, like <laughs> people would write in with ideas or people he knew would su- suggest ideas all the time. And he'd always, he'd say, thank you very much, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I've got to do this myself. Uh, and uh, I get, that's where you're coming from too. Yeah, and uh, don't get me wrong. I, I, I mean, yeah, I, I don't want anybody else to work on my comic except for me. Uh, obviously, my editor is instrumental in uh, the development and you know keeping my bad ideas out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, back to like the the newspaper thing. You know, I, I, I get why web comics do what they do. You know, they have complete freedom. They don't have to answer to anybody. You know, and um, that is an awesome way to to, to create, but. I work better with parameters. That's just me. You know, I find I, I work better with the parameters. And I think, uh, you know, when when people pick up a newspaper, they're expecting to see a certain kind of comic strip. And I think if you can take that and give them something unexpected, I think it can be just as effective as, you know, having all the freedom in the world, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know, I think sometimes when you take uh, limitations – that can unleash creativity rather than repress creativity. Yeah, you know, and that's that, that's how I work. You know? Yeah, yeah, and that's that's part of the whole thing about you know talking about the short form, which I love too. It's like Kurt Vonnegut chapters. I don't know if you've read Vonnegut. Oh but yeah, I had that feeling you had. Anyway, <laughs> I think I know a Vonnegut fan when I when I run into one. But the way he writes with those short little chapters, I dig that. I understand that. It's like get in, say what you got to say, get out. You know, don't don't waste people's time. Well. I love that about comic strips too, you know, that incremental moment where uh, one of the things I love about reading collections of comic strips is that you can, even if it's something as involved as Terry and the Pirates, you can pick it up and read it and then you can put it down and you can read it again and read like a couple of pages, put it down and go back to it again. And because the story grows in very well-defined increments every day. I love that about comics and oh yeah, short. And those, those adventure strips, you know, they, you could pick them up, but by the end of the strip, you're like, I want to know what's going to happen next, you know? Oh, God, yeah. I'm just jumping in, but I want to know. Yeah. Do you have any adventure strips that, that you uh, particularly love? I was big into Dick Tracy. You know, when that movie came out in the 90s, I, yeah. I went back and, and read a lot of the, the comics. Um, Chester Cool. Would you consider, like, uh, um, Nemo in Slumberland a, a, an adventure? Oh. 
Well, yeah, sure. I mean, obviously, you know, those, those books are stunning. Windsor McKay is just like, a, wow. Yeah. yeah. You know, those are amazing. And there's even a, um, uh, a crazy cat, you know, kind of uh-huh. adventure. I think it's like Tiger T or something like that that I was really getting into where it's more of a ongoing story as opposed to just like a one hitter. Uh-huh. Sure. With, yeah. with the brick. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, right. I know. Ignat. <laughs> so uh, are, when you think about your favorite comic strips, newspaper comic strips now, not, not web comics, what comics do you think of? What are What's your top five? Ooh. I know. No it's one's fun. ever asked me that. Uh, well, you know, and maybe you maybe you don't think that way. I mean, some people do think that way. Uh, you know, they make lists and they categorize, and and other people just kind of go with the flow. So, you know, all right. So I'm throwing it out there to you. What what do you what, what comes to I mind? I mean, off the top of my head, let's see. Crazy Cat. Uh huh. One. That's the best, in my opinion. The I can cat, see Crazy Cat in your stuff. I can see that. Yeah. I, I love all those crazy things he does in the backgrounds. I just find them so oh, fascinating. That, yeah. I, yeah. I like that. Uh, Peanuts. And this uh-huh. is in no particular order, all right? Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Peanuts, Crazy Cat. Um, oh, God. Garfield. Really? Okay. I, I love Garfield. I do. Uh huh. Um, Earlier Garfield. <laughs> I, I love I love uh, what's that comic that say, oh. race Garfield from all of the panels. I, I, Garfield I minus Garfield. Yeah, that, I get into that one. That one's pretty. Uh, Calvin and Hobbes and Farside. Yeah. Okay. And, yeah. Yeah. All of them are great. Calvin and Hobbes. You know, it's interesting that like in Wallace, there are these wonderful moments, these fantastical moments where the monsters are visualized, and you draw some great monsters, man. So, <laughs> Really terrific, uh, wonderful monsters who, by the way, don't don't at all scare me. They're, they're, but they're they're beautiful and inventive, and they remind me of um, well, they remind me of Bill Watterson, but they also remind me of uh, Maurice Sendak. I don't know if you look at any Sendak illustrations, like you know where the wild things are and all that kind of stuff. Is I there... do. They have like a like a like a unassuming dark grittiness to them that I really like. Yeah, yeah, and and that's that kind of comes across in your stuff too. I love those monsters and those moments in Wallace where Spud is wor- imagining the worst, you know, or <laughs> or maybe those monsters are really there. I don't know. We don't know yet. Yeah, we don't know. They're they're there. They might really be under the bed or under the sewer grate or whatever. But uh, uh, yeah, they're there. Yeah. Uh, they're there's, beautiful though. There's nothing better than you know, sitting down and having like a penciled comic with some you know, kind of elaborate illustrations going on and just like not having a deadline, you know, just being like, I have all the time in the world to work on this one. Oh, it's cool. a really cool feeling. Cause you know, I, sometimes you don't have that time, you know? Yeah, it's true. Especially if, you know, it, it, over the years, uh, if the deadlines get closer and closer and you don't have that, that big backlog of stuff, it's interesting thinking about it now. You know, we talked about kind of the, the generic quality of, uh, but universal quality of Schultz's suburbia. And how it, one of the things that happens in Schultz's work is how spare it becomes. And I think part of that has to do with the size that he was working at, has to do with the pace he was working at. But also, I think it's how he conceived the world. You know, the, the predominance of the characters was really important. But you know, that fantastical element comes out in Snoopy and in Snoopy's world and, and is particularly visualized in the animated 
films. It's kind of nice in in your work. You're not restricted. There's a spareness here and there, but it's not at all minimal, you know, in the way you can sometimes say Schultz's work is is kind of minimal. When I look at Schultz's work, I mean, there'll be a comic strip where, you know, there will be no details about where I, the characters are present, but it works. Yeah. It and, works. you know, I don't have the chops for that. <laughs> you know, I have to put well, these guys in the living room or in the, the classroom. Uh, he had a, a fantastic gift for being minimal but specific if that yes. makes sense you know yes. a fence post in the back like oh they're outside by the dugout you know that's you all know the, i'm thinking about landscape in your work because i, th- I do think you're you're two distinct cartoonists you're both working with kid strips but you're both distinct and but one place where i'm just i know it sounds silly and and maybe it's not a big deal but one place where i really see that the, the a kind of connection between the two of you is, you know, your beautiful drawings of Snug Harbor and Schultz's wonderful birch trees. I, oh. I, does it sound silly? But, you know, <laughs> man, he draws the most beautiful birch trees. Especially out by the ice. I mean, I love those skating scenes oh, with the birch man. trees in the background, the foreground. They're gorgeous. Yeah, they're gorgeous. And there's just something about a Charles Schultz uh, uh, birch tree that just, you know, just hits me where I live. You know, I, I, I don't know what it is about that, but it, it is the same. I have to say the same thing is true about the rolling hills of Snug Harbor. They, I love the way you do that, the way the houses sit on those hills, the houses on stilts, all, all really beautiful. And it calls to mind now that I think about it, I hadn't made the connection before, but it does call to mind that, uh, that quality in Schultz, that, um, lyrical quality in his, in his birch trees, and in the kite-eating tree, periodically. You know what? This is a great podcast. I like this. <laughs> <laughs> well, Thank you for well, saying that. It's very nice. <laughs> well, you know, I think, Will, you're working at a very high level. You know, the strip has this this undefinable quality, a universality about it, in the in a lot of the ways that, that Peanuts has. And while, I, like, you know, you've said you've got issues and they'll come out eventually. <laughs> at this point, the, the anger that was in Charles Schultz you know, simmering below the surface. I don't get it from Wallace yet. Maybe some days you become a cranky old man, you know, which I hope doesn't happen to you. It might come up, but I, it's, it doesn't have to be there. You know, what Wallace is is different and uh, distinct from what, what Schultz was mining. I mean, I think Schultz, Schultz is mining a world of psychology, uh, the yeah. zone psychology that, First of all, I, I don't know anybody else in the comic space who does that. Even when I think about all of those those people, all those great cartoonists who followed afterwards, yourself included, this is not to say you won't do it someday, but psychology was something that was particularly of interest in the era, you know, that Schultz was working. It made it um, distinct from maybe the 80s or the 90s where, you know, that kind of inward looking stuff, that anxiety that cartoonists like Jules Pfeiffer were, were mining that stuff. It wasn't as prevalent among cartoonists in the eighties and nineties or even afterwards. You know, when I think of like the, the, something like Calvin and Hobbes, which is one of the greatest strips, you know, certainly in the pantheon of great strips, you know, that's not even some Calvin's a character. That's for sure. Psychology. I don't know if psychology is what Watterson is so much interested in. Uh, it's. I think it's something unique to Schultz and maybe that period that he was working, that post World War II angst. I think so too, and I think it has. You know, I think it has to do with that uh, post. I mean, I'm not a psychologist. I don't know, but 
you know, I think it has to do with that like post-war angst. I think everybody is on edge and, and yeah. thinking about the world around them. Yeah. And I even get a lot of that from um, Gary Trudeau's work during the Vietnam uh-huh. War. I mean, oh, yeah. you read those early strips and, and you get, I mean, it's not as, uh, it's great. It's not as elegant as, as Peanuts, but it definitely has a lot of that, um, you know, inward looking and outward looking too. Maybe more outward than, than Snoopy and, and Charlie Brown. Well, you know, Trudeau's world was, Trudeau's interested in satire and politics yeah. and, and the world outside in a way that Schultz kind of internalized that stuff. Politics weren't his thing. But uh, Trudeau, yeah. Wow, I can't, you know, as soon as you said Trudeau and you said early Trudeau, I see the line and I'm looking at, I'm, I, I can see, you know, BD and, and Mike Doonesbury in those early strips and I can see that line and I can see that line in Will Henry's work. That's really interesting. I hadn't made that connection until you said it. So it was early Doonesbury. Um, obviously you've read those strips. Is that one of your things too? Doonesbury? Yeah. And I mean, it's, uh, I mean, talk about another illustrious career. Yeah. But what speaks to me is, um, the, uh, the earlier stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's, I think it's fantastic. I think it's edgy. Yeah. Um, me too, man. There's this one strip where Zonker is getting stoned in the huddle when he's playing on the college <laughs> football team with BD. And BD's giving him, you know, shit about getting stoned. And I'll never forget the line. Zonker stands up and he, he looks at BD and says, you know, you are on a, a heavy power trip. I am having a hard time digging, man. <laughs> I was just, oh, that was just the 60s encapsulated in a moment. It was brilliant, you know. I love that strip. I love the early stuff. That the early stuff to me is the funniest stuff. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I That's think the issues were like heavy enough to to carry that, you know. Oh shoot. Yeah. You know, you were. I mean, obviously, you're dealing with the '70s, and you're dealing with the the um, you know the Vietnam War. Yeah. And, and all of that, and uh, and you know the counterculture, and certainly when Doonesbury started, and uh, as it as it progressed, you know, it didn't get any easier. You know, the world didn't become any easier uh, as it as it progressed. You know, the era of Reagan, and then uh, everything that followed afterwards, right? Yeah. But that's kind of cool that you make that connection because I can see a little Trudeau now that you mention it, and uh, especially early Trudeau. That's my favorite stuff too. The you know, the way he drew Zonker back then was just... It was great, wasn't it? <laughs> it was great. It was. It really was great. And uh, Schultz had his problems with Trudeau, I think. You know, when he talks about great cartoonists, he never... He always seems to quite uh, quite consciously skip over Trudeau. Uh, and then he goes right to Lynn Johnston, you know, <laughs> when he's talking about uh, those those that period. I think he had a problem with the way Trudeau took time off from the job. <laughs> <laughs> to do other things, you know, that that kind of rubbed Charles Schultz the wrong way. I um, could see that. I could yeah. see that. Tell me about your writing process. What's it like for you to sit down and work on a group of strips? You know, it always starts with how, you know, I'm feeling that day. Um, it's weird how that, you know, f- flows onto the, the comics page. Uh, you know, if I'm in a good mood, I usually write, you know, comics about being in a good mood if i'm in like a you know a funky mood i usually write about being a funky mood if i'm in a bad mood (laughs) uh usually like you know it takes advantage of spud a little bit man i i I haven't i've yet to come across uh will henry in a bad mood though right uh the the comics never read like you know (laughs) they read the personality types of the characters but they never read like 
you know, the author, Will Henry, is is uh, kind of funky today. Well, I'm usually in a good mood. That's the thing. Well, that's good. Yeah, yeah I guess you got a lot to be happy about, man. And you, <laughs> but um, you got a good life going for you. I I like to think so too. You know, I I, I get to draw comics every day. That's pretty cool. Hey, <laughs> there's nothing. That's a dream, right? That's the dream come true. And and then you got a, a a son, and you got a wonderful marriage, and you're building a bakery. So things are good. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So sometimes Schultz would go to the, the office and he was pretty regular nine to four or nine to five. And, and, uh, he, he'd sit down to write. And I remember hearing stories where he, he'd like throw his yellow pad. I guess he wrote on a yellow legal pad and, uh, his ideas. And I guess sometimes he'd, he'd go there for a whole day and nothing would come out. And he'd like throw the pad on the desk and go back feeling disgruntled and saying, you know, why did I bother going to work today? And then another day would come up and he'd go in and he'd sit down to write and, uh, uh, everything would flow and he'd write like, you know, six strips in a row with no problem. It's just like, you know, the, the ideas were flowing that day is, do you encounter those? those kinds of episodes oh sure and, and they are the most frustrating thing you can imagine uh, imagine taking a you know a day and saying i'm going to take this day you know you got the babysitter uh you got the time and you sit down and you try to write and nothing comes to you and you just think what am i doing here why am i sitting at this table still trying to think of ideas and nothing is coming and on the flip side like you mentioned you could sit down on the table and and you know crank out 30 fantastic ideas in a couple hours because it's funny when the juices are flowing uh it's it's easy to write but when they're not it's almost impossible it's such a frustrating uh, experience well and does it happen a lot to you or or is it an infrequent occurrence uh it's it's infrequent at the moment to to get stumped to say uh, I try to write all my comics. I try to do a month at a time. So I try to write 30 comics wow. you know, in a spell. I'm not saying in a day, but uh, I try to get in that mindset where, you know, if I'm going to write, I'm going to write a month's worth and I'm not going to do any inking or coloring until those comics are written. Wow. And I don't know if that's a way of forcing myself to have to write and to, you know, force myself to come up with ideas, but that's how I work. And, and it, I enjoy it because, you know, it, once you get that flow moving, it does get easier to write. And once you get those first five or six comics, you know, mm -hmm. the boulder does move a little bit. Wow. I think I'm going to, I'm going to follow that, that model there and see if it works for me. Uh, usually when I sit down to write, I'm, I'm, I've got three or four ideas and I feel pretty good when I've written six, <laughs> <laughs> but I've never tried to write like 30 strips in a row. That that's like uh, wow, man. That's that's a a long game. That's a more than a nine inning game there. Oof. Well, the nice thing about uh, you know, when I do 30 in a row or you know a month's worth, uh, you know, a lot of times I'll do these uh, storylines for Wallace the Brave that you know might encompass two weeks or a week, and it is a little bit easier to uh, you know sort it out if you're doing it all at the same time. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Sure. One kind of flows into the other. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. One of the things I used to do, uh, and I frequently still do, is I'd, I would tape record. I'd like just start speaking, you know, stream of consciousness stuff and um, uh, tape record it and then go back and transcribe it. And that worked uh, pretty well for me. But do you, what do you do? You sit down with a, 
a legal pad like Schultz did, or do you do you type it into your you know, word processor, or, or what happens there? So usually I have, um, you know, the Bristol board cut out to size, mm-hmm. and it's really bizarre. I'll just I'll have the month's worth that I want to do stacked in front of me, and on the back I'll just like scribble the idea out a little bit, and then I'll. Oh kind of you know on the back of that comic so if you ever see one of my originals there's just a bunch of weird notes on the back of them and then i'll flip it over and um sort of put the words in and then figure out the layout of the of the characters or the, or the setting but yeah it's usually just um you know kind of a stream of ideas in the back of the of the original and and uh i'll polish it there and, and then flip it over and, and do the rough do you do the like as soon as you've written the outline of the idea? Do you set out to do the preliminary sketches right then and there, or do you just move on to the next idea? I, that's, I move on to the next. I just I get the the nugget of an idea on the back and kind of like hash it out a little bit, and then I move on to the next one because that's sort of the, the hardest part is getting that nugget of an idea. You know, yeah. The the, the punchline that you want to get to, or the you know the character development you want to get to, and then. You know, it's just like putting together a puzzle. Like you have the, the, or it's like Jeopardy where you have the answer. You got to come up with a question to get there. Oh yeah, yeah, sure, sure. I'm, I, I'm kind of familiar with with the that kind of approach to the process. When you write something, do you ever find you're writing something that's wrong for the character? Oh yeah, yeah. A lot of times, uh, you know, you get a funny punchline, and, and you can't use it. Uh. You know, I haven't never uh, gone without using it, but I have. You know, it does change a lot from the back scribbles to the to the to the rough. Uh huh. Um, you know, it'll be the idea of the joke, and then I might have to switch the characters around, or like switch how you get there, or even. Uh, I, I mean, sometimes it takes drastic changes, but the idea of that nugget was still there. But yeah, a lot of times um, characters switch around for the joke, obviously, because uh, mm-hmm. it's a character-driven strip. Right. Um, but it's just getting that initial idea is the toughest part. It's all about jumbling the characters together in the pieces. Now, do the the jokes or the ideas, do they come from thinking about the situation that the characters are in? Or do they come out of drawings that you've done? Uh, I know Schultz would like, if he, get, if he got stuck, he would kickstart some of his ideas just by doing funny drawings. Because one of the things he always said was, never forget that cartooning is really at its heart just funny drawing <laughs> and i get that and i agree with it because yeah i mean uh there's something kind of nice about a simple funny drawing and you can build a lot off of that i know i do and uh it, it's um i don't know it's a way to get get the mojo flowing mm-hmm. uh i'll do a lot of like spud doing stupid things or like wallace with animals that always helps to you know get some ideas in the bank i'm trying to think what else i do you know drawings um a lot of times I'll just go outside and walk around. I don't know why, but that seems to clear the mind. Sure, sure, absolutely. Well, yeah, I, I know what you mean. I, I have a big field out behind me that I, I walk my dogs twice a day, usually when I'm <laughs> home, and uh, uh, that really helps. I have a big poster in my studio where I have, like, all the characters listed, and then under them, like, almost like a grid, I have, like, all their interests and all their um, really? you know, maybe ongoing jokes and things that, like, you know, you can look at them. And I find that, uh, uh, you know, when you're thinking about a certain situation or a certain uh, scenario, it helps to 
to kind of focus in a joke instead of like thinking about everything in the world you can say like i want to do a joke about you know wallace and uh being outside you know mm-hmm. and then you can kind of go from there i want to do a wall or spud liking pizza or you know amelia picking on spud uh-huh and that kind of helps you know well as you're saying that i'm i'm wondering then where do the ideas come from are they focused in memory are they you know again one of the things i think of with all the things i've read about charles schultz is that uh you know for example a lot of his um oh you know the unrequited love that charlie brown felt for the little redhead girl that's really based in his his life that's autobiographical and there's a lot of frustrations that he felt as a kid growing up whether they had to do with playing hockey and, you know, sports or, or his competitiveness. Um, but there was a lot of frustrations from his life that come out in the strip. So I'm wondering your ideas, are they, are they rooted in your childhood experience? Because there is such a direct connection in the characters to childhood. I mean, they, the, the experiences of these kids and their responses to these experiences to me so far read is um authentically childlike oh i mean i i hope so but i i draw a lot from my childhood and my upbringing you know i, I had a great childhood there's no doubt about it uh and i have some great memories from that time and uh-huh. i feel like that has influenced the way i write i mean i'm sure the way charles schultz had that experience you know uh what did he used to say about like you know if he's feeling good he would draw snoopy dancing or something oh like yeah that. yeah Sure. So uh, wh- where did you grow up? I'm just curious. Was it in Rhode Island? Yeah, uh, Matunic, Rhode Island. Okay. So so do you, you live close by to where you grew up? I do. Yeah. I live, um, I don't know, maybe like 30 miles away. Okay. Yeah. I'm actually in a similar situation, although I've lived in, in several different places, but sure. always yeah. kind of come back home. Uh, me too. <laughs> and I, yeah, I know you went to to the University of Connecticut, and then you came back home. So, so home has a, a strong pull for you. Yeah, I love it. But I, lo- I think I love the ocean is what it is. The ocean has always yeah. been, uh, it's always had a strong influence on my life. And I think that that comes through on the strip because the strip is very, you know, ocean oriented and the fisherman father. Yeah. Uh, but that... all those things tie into, I think, what I had was a good experience as a child. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm trying to bring that into the strip. Well, it comes across, you know, I don't know if it comes across for, for a child reading the strip. I know for me reading the strip as an adult, I look at it and, uh, it, it makes me think, wow, Will had a really, uh, wonderful childhood and the connection to the ocean is very vivid, you know, in the strip. And I meant to ask you, you know, was your father a fisherman? Uh, he was not. He was not. He was it's a, just... uh, a metal caster. Wow. Okay. So that's where the sculpture uh, came from. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But you knew fishermen. I mean, fishing life was all around you, right? Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So did your dad? Yeah, sure. Obviously. (laughs) The ocean is still there and uh, people are still fishing. Um, (laughs) Did your dad ever take you out on the roof of the house the way Wallace's dad uh, does? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, My my father was, is, he's, he's, he's a great guy. You know, he would, uh. I remember, like, every summer he would take our shoes and staple them to the side of the beach house and say, you're not going to need these for three months. Well, like, all, right. all right. Yeah. Well, he encouraged you to revel in the uh, in the ocean in the, the summer sun. 
But, you know, like like Peanuts, you know, we had our gang of kids that roamed the streets like, a, you know, a pack of wolves, you know, 20 uh-huh. kids deep, you know, doing whatever they wanted. Lord of the Flies. <laughs> yeah, Lord of the Flies. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Those are great days. Well, they certainly read, you know, Wallace certainly reads that way. And uh, um, it does really read authentically as, as a childhood experience. So that's coming across. It really is. So, okay. uh very cool. So I'm curious, um, you know, the, so you've got your original stack there, you got ideas written on the back and you're still, you're still holding on to, you're working on Bristol board and, and you're using pen and ink. You're not using iPad and iPad pro and procreate. Yeah. I'm a 33 year old dinosaur. An old school, old school <laughs> man. All right. That's cool though. It's, it's great. Have you tried working digitally or is it just, you're not interested? This is good enough for you. Yeah, I guess I've tried. I don't know. I, I half-heartedly tried. Uh huh. Yeah, know, I, you do the coloring in Photoshop for the, for print most of the time. I so do. You, you do that. Do, so you're yeah. not a complete dinosaur. Not uh, a complete. Thank God. <laughs> yeah. Right. But um, but the, when it comes to the originals, well, that's nice though. You know, I mean that that reads too. That kind of hand quality comes across in the strip. You no, know, nowadays I feel like uh, I don't know. I've always been in the school of thought where, you know, you got to learn the traditional ways before you move on to the oh, yes. new age ways. And I feel like you can take a lot of shortcuts digitally that I don't like to take. If that makes sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you don't have know? to, but you know, an inexperienced person can, and I think it, I think it can hinder them a little bit. Well, I agree, you know, and I, I actually teach a, I'm teaching a comics course and a comics art course this semester at school and my students are all working old school and and I really while I've worked with a couple of them in other situations where I encourage them to work with iPad uh, and Procreate because it's such a wonderful tool mm. on the other hand I don't think you have a full understanding of what all the brush points in Procreate are all about unless you've started working with brush and ink on Bristol board and yeah. gone through you know the f- developing a feeling you know, for brush on board and how, you know, it moves across the board, how pen and and ink move together. Uh, You know, there's something also, I find that working old school uh, uh, traditionally makes the process slow down. And that's a good. Yeah, Yeah. I agree. I I find that if I, if I worked digitally, Mm -hmm. uh, I would spend too much time, you know, fixing that not perfect line, you know, changing that not perfect perspective Absolutely. When it's you know old school pen and ink and you just let it be, uh, I don't know. For me, I feel like my my work has a little more life to it than doing it on digitally. Because if I did it digitally, I would nitpick it till it was too shiny and too perfect. Yeah, I, yeah, I I know exactly what you mean because I've gone through that process. But what you know, you make a decision uh, when you're working on on paper. And that's the decision, you know, and you live with it and you live with the consequences of it. And that brings a certain freshness and vitality to it uh, that you can kill really digitally by, you know, deleting layer after layer until you get the right the right line. And, you know, don't don't get me wrong. There's some fantastic digital work out there. I don't want I don't want to discount it. But, you know, oh, yeah. I don't know how to do it, so I'm not going to. <laughs> well, and you don't have to, you know, to each his own, right? I mean, that's yeah, what exactly down to to each his own. Some people are really fluent in it, and they you would never uh, stop them from working as well as they are working in that medium in that mode. But then, you know, 
somebody like yourself, Hey man, this is right for you. So, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's great. Keep at it, you know, do what's working. So, so, uh, you know, what's next for Wallace? You just keep growing the strip and keep getting newspapers to sign up. I hope like we have a couple newspapers within my, the radius, you know, the 60 mile radius that, that, uh, here in upstate New York. And the the paper that I read Wallace in is coming out of Scranton. And what's great about this newspaper, it's locally owned. It's not a chain. And, and so there's, there's no us today stuff in it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then my local paper, which used to be a great paper many, many years ago, unfortunately is owned by Gannett now they had, but they have a great comics page. They have two pages of comics and, uh, no kidding. yeah. And they give the daily comics a nice amount of space. I have to say that it's really great. And Wallace isn't in it yet, but I'm hoping to see that, that they'll pick it up. They haven't picked up anything new. They haven't picked up Phoebe and her unicorn. There's another couple of new strips out there. Daddy days. Oh uh, yeah. Daddy days. Yeah. They haven't picked that up either. So, you know, they, they've been kind of rigid about, picking up strips but maybe i'll i'll write him a letter you know yeah send him, you know give him a little nudge i'll give him a little nudge because <laughs> i'd love to see him pick up wallace because that would be uh that would be a move in the right direction yeah. and it keeps the you know, healthy make a note he's got a new baby his wife's trying to start a bakery there you go. <laughs> yeah, like, this guy a bone. yeah exactly right well you know she'll start off with seven papers man seven papers and uh what was it by the mid 50s i think he got it up to 300 which is pretty darn good yeah uh, you know enough to make a living on but it wasn't it didn't you know go universal it didn't explode till the 60s but um you know that's amazing when you think about it i mean i uh, know i mean to think it started in seven papers and ended up in what uh, like 2600 two, by the end of the run i mean two thousand some papers yeah amazing damn amazing and and that's a hard one to do because it's hard to find 2000 papers these days right yeah i love the convenience of digital comics i, I love being able to go to Co- go comics website and check all the comics out and and king features um comics kingdom i love going to those sites and reading my comics but man i still love you know the book and i still love the paper and there's really nothing quite like picking up the newspaper and seeing that those comics pages you know the sunday comics pages used to be especially even around here when i was a kid uh, i i live not too far from where i grew up and the local paper had a great comic section probably about eight pages at least maybe more nowadays it's just like two you know, two pages. Are there any newspapers that are just publishing Wallace's Sunday pages? Do you know, or is it a package deal? You got to do both. That I don't know. That I don't know. I know there's a couple that only do the dailies. Yeah. Oh, they they don't do the Sunday. Yeah, I think oh. the Sundays are like the cherry on top. You know. Yeah, I know. I think it's dailies and, first. Yeah. Uh, do you enjoy doing the Sundays? Oh, they're awesome. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's restrictive in terms of panel sizes there's a kind of rigidity about it but are you allowed to play with that i know some cartoonists have a lot of leeway with that space whereas others hold to it pretty tightly yeah this you know there were um like i think there were like three choices you could have you know produced the sunday in and uh-huh. one of them was you know specified boxes that the newspapers could kind of switch around yep and then there there was like two of those kind of options where they had to fit these certain boxes that so they could be jumbled and then there was one where it was just one big box and you can do whatever you wanted in there. And obviously I picked that option because it seemed, you know, the most yeah. uh, free. 
Yeah. For somebody who's who's got the graphic skills that you've got, yeah, you want to be able to play with that. The way Watterson played with that. After a while, there were complaints, and he said, "Forget it. If you, I'm I'm doing this my way, or you're not carrying the Sunday strip, you know." And and they went with him, you know, gave him <laughs> gave him the space because not too many people draw like Bill Watterson. But that's that's cool. That's great. I'm glad that that you've worked it out that way. That you've got that freedom. Uh, to to do that because if you're going to reinvigorate the Sunday comics page I think it's got to start with that kind of freedom that kind of flexibility to grow it you know Uh, unfortunately a lot of strips don't take advantage of but since Watterson I think more cartoonists are interested I mean Mutz does a wonderful job oh it's fantastic isn't it Yeah, I just I just love what he does with uh, Sunday pages. It's just, and he's one of those guys who makes references to art and to uh, art history and to comics history. And I'm sure that a lot of people aren't even aware of the references in there, but for them, <laughs> they are beautiful. And uh, are. I just I'm a big admirer of that strip and what he does in a Sunday page in particular. You know, Schultz never plays with. Now, I love reading Schultz's Sunday stuff. I've got the Sunday collections, too, which are distinct from the the collections of the daily stuff. Mm -hmm. And you can tell that he sat down and he worked out Sunday strips together, one after another. Like he might work on Sundays and do three Sundays or six Sundays or something like that. And you, there's a thematic unity to some of them. And, And there's something different and distinct about reading those Sundays without the dailies in between. Uh, yeah. I actually enjoy the Sundays separated. And the, and the color is really nice, even though uh, I know he was picking out the colors, but I know he wasn't really thinking the way, say, you think uh, or, or about color, because I, I sense, I know that you're thinking about color when I look at Wallace. Oh, yeah. But, but he wasn't thinking about it in that way, I don't think. I think it was a secondary element for him. But but forgive me if I misspeak, Charles, wherever you are, uh, Sparky. It's one of those things where he pretty much holds to the grid, allowing editors to play around with the strip. He didn't He didn't really have that that freedom. Maybe he would have used it if he'd been a cartoonist who came along later, but then he wouldn't have been Charles Schultz. So when you do Sundays then, are you... Do you do them six dailies and then you do a Sunday or do you do Sundays all in a group? Uh, I clump them. I clump them. Yeah, I'll do them. Um, I'll do the dailies first and then I'll do the Sundays after. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the, so I have, you know, in theory, more time to do the Sundays, you know, it hasn't really worked out that way. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. So, so like you'll do like three Sundays together or. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I find when you're, you know, you're in that mindset, like I think you mentioned with, with Schultz, you know, looking at the Sundays, you know, he was doing four boxes for the dailies all the time. And I yeah. think when he moved to the Sundays, he was, you know, he, he, it's, you have to change that mindset up a little bit, you know, from yeah. from space to space. Oh, yeah. You're telling a longer story. I mean, yeah, you're telling a longer story. And and yep. if you're in the mindset of a short story, it's it's tough to, you know, flip-flop back and forth. Yeah, to make that change. At least for me. Yeah, and 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 I understand that. Uh, you know, you get into a groove, and and I think working with three, four panels on a daily basis that is a that is a mode. It's like it's like being on a a treadmill in a way, but it is it's like a mode of thinking. You know, of getting into that uh, that kind of meditation is is the only word I can think of. And then trying to do a Sunday, well, now you've got a little more freedom. It's not the same way of thinking it's a different highly distinct way of thinking oh yeah, yeah. i mean i think a lot of uh, schultz's sundays i mean they were 
what, like seven or eight panels always? Yeah, something like that. Well, sometimes even 12. You yeah, know? or 12. Or 12 like panels, that. yep. A lot of the baseball ones were, were a lot of, a lot of uh, but they were all boxed, you know, they're perfectly boxed to be told. Yep. He used a lot of those for Snoopy, you know, for Snoopy and Woodstock. A lot of Snoopy and Woodstock in those later Sunday panels. Well, I think, you know, Will, I think we've we've covered some territory here in the last Yeah, I mean, that was awesome. It was fun. Yeah. I can't believe it's been an hour and a half already. All and, right. Uh, yeah. Amazing, right? It's Very groovy. Yeah. Very groovy indeed. It's been a pleasure. And um, I hope we have the chance to do it again and to meet in person sometime. Uh, you know, I don't get to Rhode Island too often, but maybe. Do you do comic conventions still, or are you too busy doing the strip to do that? Uh, I used to, but I haven't done one in a while. I think I might do uh, Rhode Island Comic Con oh, this okay. fall. Very cool. Well, I'm sure they'll, the, you'll have a lot of fans lined up to meet you and get you, your autograph on your book. And uh, I'm sure, you know, I hope the book is done well because it's really it's a terrific book and uh, really enjoyable read. It reminds me, you know, takes me back to those Peanuts books, uh, the Fawcett Peanuts books of the 50s, even though those were without color. Um, it's a really beautiful book, and I think you should be really proud of it. And uh, Hey, thanks, I, man. I am proud of it. <laughs> well, I hope people will, will go to Amazon or go, better yet, go to their local bookstore and uh, their local independent bookstore. And if Wallace the Brave isn't there, order Wallace the Brave. And get it Light on the, the place on fire. No, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, no, don't do that. No, we we want to support our local bookstore uh, uh, more than ever. And uh, and get Wallace the Brave on the shelves because it's it's if you love comics I'm so I'm talking to the audience now if uh, out there if you love comics if you love classic comic strips if you love kid strips you're gonna love Wallace the Brave go out order the book co- write your newspaper call them up get them to carry the strip because it's terrific stuff and uh, Will it's been a pleasure and uh continued success and congratulations on the bakery and on the baby and uh you know all the best and, hey uh, thanks man this is this has been a blast and thank you for having me on it's always fun to uh talk comics with people that are actually interested in comics <laughs> yeah right they, they seem to be you know you try to go out into the world and talk to people on the subway or on the street about comics and somehow it doesn't seem to <laughs> resonate <laughs> they, they kind of give you funny looks hey you want to talk about comics it doesn't doesn't you know doesn't work uh, too well but talking to other cartoonists really is uh, is a joy so uh uh anyway man uh thanks a lot thanks for your time and uh and you know best best wishes for the for the remainder of for a long life for wallace that's i hope <laughs> it, it runs for years and years and years well thank you I'll, i'm gonna take that all right man breaking news Will Henry has been nominated for a Rubin Award by the National Cartoonist Society. Wallace the Brave has been nominated for Best Syndicated Newspaper Comic Strip. Well-deserved, Will. Congratulations. I had the opportunity to give Will a call just to get his reaction to all of this, so I'm going to play that for you right now. Congratulations. Uh, word has just come, come in that you've gotten a, a nomination for a Rubin Award. Woo-woo. <laughs> yeah woohoo uh I'm feeling great about it that's pretty cool yeah that that's great so the the award the nomination is for what exactly uh i believe it is for news uh 2018 newspaper comic strip fantastic is that's the category that's, that's incredible man you are in a in um a line with a, a great cast of of cartoonists you know it's a it's a 
a pantheon that you've joined that is uh, pretty rich and and pretty. You should feel pretty good about it. Oh, I feel I feel great. I mean, it's I don't know. A, it's an excuse to go to L.A. and and you know get a tux and B, wow. you know. <laughs> is that where the the award ceremony is going to be in Los Angeles? I think it is. I think it's uh, Huntington Beach this year. Okay, and when is it? Uh, oh, hold on. I know this. It, it's either the I think it's the weekend before Memorial Day. Okay. So is that the 18th or 19th? Okay. Uh, you got me. I'm, 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 <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> calendar ignorant. Uh, so, so when do you find out for sure? Do you find out that night? Do they have, is it like the Oscars? You don't find out until that night or, or do they announce the, the winners beforehand? You know what, Jeff? I have no idea, man. This is a first for me. I couldn't tell you. <laughs> well, I wish you the best of luck with it. And, oh, uh, thanks. Congratulations. It's well-deserved. And, uh, you know, as they say, just being nominated is, is uh, award enough. And it really is when you think about, uh, the great cartoonists that you might be competing with, but, um, uh, I wish you all the best with that. I hope, I hope it works out for Wallace the Brave cause you deserve it. And it's, it's uh, a breath of fresh air on the newspaper comics page. Well, thanks, Jeff. That's very nice of you to say. So once again, congrats to Will. And if that doesn't convince you to give your newspaper a call, I don't know what what will. But uh, nevertheless, terrific. Uh, It's great to see a young cartoonist like Will uh, breaking big into the business and also to see his contribution acknowledged. I think it's important to acknowledge the uh, contributions of, of new cartoonists on the cartoonist page. Well, that'll do it for me this time. Uh, Check out my website, jeffgrogan.com, G-E-O-F-F-G-R-O-G-A-N.com. See what I've got uh, laying around there. Uh, And uh, while you're at it, also go over to Kickstarter. I've actually got a Kickstarter. Yes, I do. Believe it or not, I'm moving into the 21st century and uh, picking up on that entrepreneurial spirit and uh, trying to get my my work out there to the public via Kickstarter. A lot of great stuff on Kickstarter. I'm working on a piece called Plastic Baby Heads from Outer Space, a 265-page full-color trade paperback, a magnum opus covering the first story arc of Plastic Baby Heads, uh, originally called The Cave of Forgotten Comedians, uh, and uh, also known as The Queen of the Cave of Forgotten Comedians Plus. Uh, it's going to be chock-a-block full of cartoons, of stories, and uh, interesting little fill-ins, uh, extra pages here and there. So I hope you're going to look for it. Check out the Kickstarter page. I think you'll find it a lot of fun, and I hope that you'll consider contributing. Uh, it would really mean a lot. That's kickstarter.com, and search for Plastic Baby Heads. So next time, I think we'll continue the discussions about cartoonists in the 21st century uh, and the influence, the ongoing influence of Charles Schultz and his work. Uh, It means a lot to cartoonists, whether they're working uh, for the newspapers or whether they're working on the web. And, uh, And that discussion about changes in the... Uh, environment, changes on the playing field of um, cartoonists and cartooning. That conversation will continue uh, as we move forward. I've got a couple of interesting guests lined up, one right after another. 
I'm really excited about it. I think that both of them will bring something interesting to bear in this ongoing discussion and celebration of Charles Schultz and all things cartooning. So be sure to check back or subscribe. Go to Apple Podcasts. Give us a rating. Uh, and that's the best way for people to find us. So please do that. Uh, share the podcast with your friends and, and those interested in cartooning. Uh, it, it really helps really helps uh, get the word out there. I think it'll also interest more cartoonists in coming on, and that's what I'm, I'm hoping to do. I'm, I want to continue these conversations. I'm having a blast. I hope you're having a blast, too. Check back with us soon. And uh, in the meantime, you know, give that puppy a hug, uh, fly a kite, um, throw that baseball around, right? Baseball season's beginning, so get on that pitcher's mound, see if you can win a few games, and... Uh, Thanks for listening. <laughs>